this morning, let's dive into the word. I titled today's message, I am his beloved. Somebody say, I am his beloved. I am his what? You're not saying it convincingly. Who's beloved? Because the way some sisters are saying it, they are looking at their husband and saying it. <laughs> That's not the one we're talking about. So, I am what? I am his beloved. I am God's beloved. And I decided to personalize that title because it's the statement that I want us to retain. It's the statement I want us to remember. And it is some sort of like a, you know, when you have a, is this statement of creed? Something that, um, statement of vision or mission that you put on your wall and you are constantly remember. It's supposed to be some sort of a motivating force supposed to be um, your reason for being. So if you see a company, one of the things you see when you enter a, a proper organization is that you see their mission statement and their vision statement. You know, they're trying to say that. See, but for staff of that organization, they don't need to look at the wall to know what those mission and vision statements are because they must have gone through a program of immersion that sort of transfers that statement from what's on the wall into their hearts and minds so that it can form a culture. Am I making sense? So when you meet a staff of a particular organization and you see how they behave and how they go about the work, you know to what extent that vision or that mission statement has been recalibrated in their minds and to what extent that has formed the kind of culture you know they live and walk by. You know, so but the reason why it is retained on the wall is for the purpose of remembering, for retention, and also for you who don't belong to the company, such that when you enter, you can easily identify and figure out what this company is all about. What is their motivating force? And you don't always, you hardly see that their mission or vision statement is to become the richest or to sell one billion product, they will tell you that they want to position themselves as the foremost organization for quality, for good service, for, you know, they will use fine, fine words, you know, fine, fine PR words to encapsulate what they believe that the vision should be. You know, but even though at the board level, you know that the bottom line is the money that they make, you know, but that's not the one they project. What they project is the fine one that makes you, oh, I love this brand. I want to associate with this brand. Hallelujah. But God's own is really not like that. God's own mission statement is the same as his bottom line. Am I making sense? God is not saying one thing and thinking about another or expecting something else. You know, what God has declared and what he is declaring is his bottom line. Is what he wants to see manifest in our lives. He's the ultimate goal that he wants us to press onto. And that is the hope that he has in his heart. Hallelujah. So the purpose of the scriptures, if you look at, if you take the scripture holistically, is to project the hope in the heart of God to us. And for us to believe that same hope and then be do, and be what and be, be be influenced by that hope. Be influenced by the things that he has said. And that is why the scripture is a big book of hope. It's a big it's all about positioning God, his intent and his heart 
making it plain for us to see so that the things that we are hearing and seeing of him can influence and shape our inside shape our conduct shape our identity you know in such a way that we can work together when he was speaking to the children of israel he said that in in, in that day this coming said the lord that the lord will write his laws in their heart you know and in their minds and he will take away the heart of stone and give the heart of flesh to what extent he said so that he will be their god and they will be what his people he wasn't saying that he wasn't their god as at that time he was speaking but he was speaking concerning a hope that he has in his heart of a new dimension a new realization that even cements that fellowship between god and his people even more and then that same you know that brings a new paradigm that even god can express himself more to his people you know and that was why one of the biggest advantages of the new testament is that it introduces us to the fatherhood of god as was never seen before because the old covenant could not unveil that aspect of the character of god because of the testament that was in place then you know but the new testament which jesus ushered brought us to the what to the fatherhood dimension of god and the fatherhood dimension of god is not just about the guy who sits at the top of everything it is about somebody who longs for relationship who wants to have fellowship who wants to have a family you know when the world was saying one of the most biggest achievements of a man and a woman is when they decide to start a family oftentimes you, you, you often hear you know then that no matter how rich a person is you are considered in quote irresponsible as it were in the society why because you don't have a family there is no object of responsibility even though you are very rich that's why even up in certain circles even up to now when you see a man is so rich and everything people are wondering what's wrong with this guy why they will ask you why don't you want to settle down because they feel that you are not settled <laughs> amen our sisters will feel the pressure a lot more you know because when you are attaining an age now they start worrying for you they pick up your body and start worrying for you even before you, you are aware of you know and when they notice that you are not receiving the impartation of worry they come and try to impart it to you that my sister i hope you're all right you know why are you not why are we not seeing anything you know and then if depending on the feedback they get they know whether they should call the community on your case hallelujah there is a good side of that there is a good side of that because in a sense the good and the good side of it is that there is a lot of value that is placed on family you know and they don't want a society where that value is lost hallelujah but now the bad side of it is that a lot of that push and pressure comes from fathers and mothers who, who are just bored and want something exciting in their lives and that next exciting thing is babies <laughs> hallelujah you know they just want little creatures running around scattering things you know upturning things 
in the house. You know, when I see the way my dad behaves around children, this is like, ah, as life has really. <laughs> if they scatter things, they say, oh, Omodini, Omodini. That's what they do. They, they scatter things. They, know, they did not bond me well to scatter things when I was. <laughs> they just love them being around. Any, they will pay any price for them. If you know the way my parents are on my case to bring the kids for holiday, every, they don't mind four times a year if it's possible. They just want kids around. Hallelujah. And that's a very beautiful thing. Am I making sense? There is something about family that is that carries in it the seed of posterity. That carries in it the seed of the future. And God is always someone who is concerned about the future. Who is concerned about... He wants his values and his will to be perpetuated. God is not someone who wants to start something and then see that thing end. He wants it to continue. He wants his goodness to continue. He wants his grace to what? To continue. His mercy to what? To continue. And he wants his fellowship with his people to do what? To continue and to ever increase. So we see, you know, the New, New Testament bringing us the fatherly dimension of God. And you know what? There is no father without a family. Hallelujah. So the arrangement that God made, the arrangement that God made within his fatherhood, it is that he brought us to a pedestal of great value. And this is very important for us to understand. He brought us to a pedestal of what? Of great. He never wants us to come into that relationship with any sense of low self-esteem. Am I making sense? He doesn't want us to come into that consciousness, that awareness of that relationship with any sense of low self-esteem or with any sense of unworthiness. He doesn't even want us to have the mindset of, ah, we are worthless. So it's God that is doing us. Ever. We are, I don't even know what he saw. Have you ever had people say, ah, this person that is doing, I don't even know what he saw in me. You know, there is still that retention of what? Of lack of value and worthlessness. And God detests that mindset. Because he values us and he understands our value. It is the reason he went to such a great length to do what? To redeem us. Hallelujah. It's the reason he went to such a great length to do what? To redeem us. If he sent his only begotten son to die for us, then you and I have great value in his sight. We have great value in the sun. And it's important for us to remember, you know, that's the concept behind I am his beloved. When we understand that and we allow that to really sink into our mind, into our heart, it sort of changes the way we think and the way we approach fellowship with God. It does. You know, and that is why one of the biggest tragedies of the gospel is this need-oriented gospel. That just relegates us to people who need to constantly keep asking for something from God. And then puts God in a position of a genie whose only job is to just give. Tomorrow you need promotion, collect. Next day you need uh, uh, money, you take it. 
next day you need to kill your enemy or your ticket you know that thing is very heartbreaking to the heart of god it's very heartbreaking to the heart of god that system god hates it with all his heart because it is not a true representation of his fatherhood that is not a family the only time you and god communicate the whole essence of your conversation is what you are getting from him even when you are forgiven when you are asking for forgiveness it's so that you can clear the road to get something from him even when you are praising him you are praising him so that you can what you can get something you know and the church has not helped at all because in order to motivate people we have sowed these wrong seeds for a long time i didn't like you know what they call a we you know that brand you know, there's this very popular you know is the genre of a we christian a we for a long time i didn't like it i didn't use i can't stand it because when you're singing somebody's eulogy and you are you are praising him or you are bringing words of uh, you know they call it oriki also in yoruba you know you know uh, you are bringing words that speaks to you know your ancestors who you are you are a lion you are this you are that you are blah 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 and all those things you know you know and the reason i struggle with it is because a lot of time when it's coming forth they would say that uh, you know just praise god and you know eulogize him and until his head swells so much he can't hold himself you just release blessing upon you <laughs> you know and i never believed that one minute that you could praise God to the point he loses control. <laughs> and has no choice. They say, ah, I can't hold myself. We oh, yeah, are in jail. Dash the blessing. And everywhere is cut a blessing loads up. No. So I never open my heart to every time I see somebody, oh Lord, I'll just there we go, there we go, there we go. You know, but there is, I, 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 so, but later I noticed that some of these things is just people's excesses and the mindset that people have of God. That sort of, this trip itself is pure. It is what people have made of it. You know, when you fetch a clean water with a dirty container, what's going to happen? They're going to contaminate the water. But God doesn't ever want us to have that posture that even when we are worshipping Him, the reason we are doing that is because we want to put God in a good mood so that the blessings can come. No. God wants us to understand who he is. His love, his heart. And find connection to that. And let that be the reason for our worship. Let that be the reason for our submission to him. Let that be the reason for our laying all things at his feet. That is what is in the heart of God. That is what the fatherhood of God is about. That we recognize him as a father who cares very deeply about us. And that care and that love is not conditional. It is not conditional. It it doesn't change. It is not subject to circumstances and situations. It is not. It has nothing, it even has nothing to do with how you think and perceive yourself in whatever mood or whatever season or whatever experience that you've gone through it has nothing to do 
it has nothing to do with whether you feel good or you feel bad it has nothing to do whether you are happy or sad it has nothing to do whether you've had a bad you know experience or a good one nothing but the pitfall or the trap or the danger is that because we are human we are always projecting our experiences to god we are always falling into that pitfall if we have a bad father we are more likely to think of god in the image of our father than to see him for who he truly is and that is why it is so important for us for god to help us so that he can open our eyes so that we can see that god is not who we think he is that person that has been shaped by our own carnal or human experiences am i making sense this morning hallelujah you know i used to say something that when we were sinners it's easier to believe that god loves us than for us to receive his love now that we are saints you know that's the mindset a lot of people have they find it easy to receive the forgiveness of god when they were sinners i mean for a lot of us it was very easy you didn't have to do anything all you had to do was just believe am i right and then you got saved but now you're struggling with god forgiving you <laughs> now you're really struggling with receiving the love of god and knowing that the lord is absolutely up completely in love with you and is on your side why because in a way we feel that the same principle does not apply anymore you know once you are in the family there is an image of this god that holds a whip <laughs> the only time he smiles is when you are coming through the door as a sinner <laughs> once you enter like this and he shuts the door he say okay things change <laughs> no but that is what our fathers used to do when you do the wrong thing most likely your father or your parents will not scold you outside they will smile at you you know <laughs> and they will be smiling once you walk through that door <laughs> And the door bolts that you know that as some of us know if I, as you are walking you know you're already crying that daddy because you know what is waiting for you at the other side of the door that is the mindset sometimes we project to god we feel less loved as his saints as his children we feel that he is less concerned we find it difficult to receive his love our infirmities and weaknesses our struggle overwhelm us so much we believe god is tired of us and that he's regretting saving us that's the mindset we have and because of this spirit of condemnation we have completely what jettisoned the place of fellowship and connection that we have with god and what we have is a relic of religion we don't stop praying but prayer is not motivated by love. We don't stop coming to church. But coming to church is just a religious activity. There is no heart-to-heart connection. That connection, that internal connection is broken. Something is wrong with it. It's like when you have a broken electronic device. You know, when, it's trying, when you have a broken radio. Or your radio that is untuned properly. What do you get? You get noise. You get noise. All you get is noise all god can hear is noise there is no alignment there is no fine tuning why because something is broken on the inside and i'm trusting god that god will restore us as many of us that have had our trust 
in God broken by whatever. Hallelujah. Give us first John chapter 3. Behold what manner of love the Father has what? That we should be called the world. Therefore, the world does not what? Because it did not. See, this statement is packed with a lot of light. And I pray that the Lord will open our eyes this morning to say, you know, when I read the scripture, I'm wondering why, why didn't it just stop at behold what man of love the Father has bestowed on us that we should be called the children of God. Why does he have to add, therefore, as a result of this, that's what it means, right? As a result of this, the world does not know us. Why does he have to add that? Because the world does not know him. What's the relationship between that and the fact that he's bestowed so much love? The reason is because what that love changed us into is not in the mode or frame that the world understands. The pattern of the world cannot evaluate or judge that status that his love brought us into. And if you understand this foundational fact, this foundational truth, you will be able to fight off the judgments that the world imposes on us based on your lived experiences within the system. Let me repeat that again. This identity, this image called the children of God, that the love of God has made us Am I right? This image of the child of God, the world does not know it. The world cannot decode. If you put it through, there is no system of world. There is no system of man. There is no mindset, reasoning, system of judgment of man whatsoever, whatsoever that can judge and analyze this image of the child of God. No system. Whether it is this culture of a of a place, whether it is the way of life of a people, whether it is the things that the people regard as the value system, whether it is the things that people regard as the aspirations, the system of aspiration. You know the, the way we judge men. Am I making sense? The way we judge and value people, the way society, the things that society, you know, aggregate around as issues of value of prestige of honor the things that bring about classes class of people some people at the top some people at the bottom all that system of judgment cannot judge this image of the child of god what god made us it is something that is completely alien to the world system the world cannot know. The world can't discern it. The world cannot understand it. It is strange. The way of life of that child of God is completely strange and opposite the way of life of the world. And it was in the same way the world could not judge him because it did not know him. It is the image of himself that he did what? That he made us. Am I making sense? Because if he says that therefore the world does not know us because the world did not know him. It means that being a child of God means that we are in his exact image and likeness. Hallelujah. So it is so important that what God has made you and I 
on the account of his love on the account of his love is completely it is higher and completely above the systems of the world therefore it is you denigrating yourself it is you inviting worthlessness hopelessness to yourself death to yourself anytime you bring yourself under the system of the world's judgment it is you bringing worthlessness to yourself anytime you allow the world to judge you anytime you allow the world to frame you anytime you allow the world to analyze you and put you within a context that it can understand that is you effectively abandoning your true identity to conform to the world am i making sense you're looking at me somehow am i making sense scripture says in romans that's why scripture says that do not be conformed to the what to the pattern of the world but be what transformed by the renew of your mind because if you want to be conformed to the world how the world conforms you is to ensure you have an unrenewed mind so the fact that your mind is unrenewed doesn't even mean that you are not a new creation am i making sense it doesn't mean that god doesn't love you it means that your mind is not gravitating towards the one who loves you your mind is going astray to the world that wants to put you in its frame am i making sense hallelujah Amen. So let's go back to that. He said, Behold, what manner of love the Father has bestowed upon us that we should be called the what? The sons of God. Therefore, the world does not know us because it did not know him. Next verse. Beloved, when are we the children of God? When? Beloved, now we are the children of God and it has not yet been what? Revealed what we shall be. But we know that when he is revealed, we shall what be like him for we shall see him as what as he is next verse and anyone who has this hope in him purifies himself just as what he is pure so receiving and embracing the understanding of the love of god brings about an internal shift in our heart that shift is towards hope that shift is what towards hope the hope of what the hope of the glory of god romans explained that you know that therefore being justified by faith we have peace with god and with the lord just and we do what we rejoice in hope of the word of the glory of god that is what the hope is if we can capture the love of god we can capture the hope of god I want you to see the connection if you can embrace the love of god and you can accept the love of god in your heart and that love is real and it's increasing progressively as that is happening the hope of eternal life is also what being solidified and it is that hope that brings about behavioral change and transformation because like he said he that has this hope once the hope is in the heart what's going to happen consecration happens 
purification happens a setting apart does what happens am i making sense so if there is an issue with the hope if that hope is not strong enough you know we all have it in various degrees and we all have it and because of the degrees that we have it we are responding to god in various degrees hallelujah but god wants that hope to do what to expand he wants that hope to grow he wants us to be enlarged in our heart the more it is enlarged the more consecrated we are the more set apart we are the more we are able to you know die to self the more we are able to engage god to the degree that he has released grace upon our lives am i making sense am i making sense so once the hope becomes brighter and brighter we will know that there is nothing too much to give as a sense of sacrifice to pursue the glory of god there's nothing too much why because something is happening on the inside there is a light that is shining on the inside but it all comes back to what that receiving of the love of god if that love is not strong in our heart we won't be motivated you see the reason why we don't love god or why we're not why we're not how do i put it the reason why we are not manifesting the love of god is because we have not received the love of god in the measure that there is an outflow of commitment to god the reason why we are finding it difficult to express the love of God. You know, we all say this, oh, I love God, I love God, and we even shed tears and cry and all that. But God gave a very basic test of his love. He said, if you love me, do what? Keep my commandments. To the degree that you are keeping the commandments is to the degree that you love God. So your, your keeping of the commandment is the true litmus test of the love of God. You see, but the scripture also says that the love of God has been what? Shed abroad in our hearts by the word. So within our spirit, we have the love of God. That new creation image is born in the love of God. It cannot but love God. <laughs> Am I making sense? Our spirit cannot but what? There is no outer of doubt in our spirit. Not a single one. Our spirit understands and has perfect love for God because it is God that created it. Am I making sense? Our spirit is not, you know, dilly dally whether I will love the world, I will love the God. No, no, no. It's not. That sense of instability that we experience is not in our spirit, it's in our soul. It's our soul that needs to be recultured. Hallelujah. It's our soul that needs to be what? Because it's our soul that was purchased trained brought up in the way of the world and now needs to be recalibrated needs to be retaught the way of the kingdom and that is where the battle is that is where that is why the process the ongoing salvation of the soul is so what so important because what has happened in the spirit has to happen in the soul has to get established in the soul so it is in the soul that the struggle for the love of God is. It is the soul that hasn't fully believed the love of God and therefore cannot give full commitment to the love of God. It is the soul that remembers how 
life used to be when it was in the world and longs to go back to that slavery. Am I making sense? It's the soul. The soul that looks back and say, I love it when I was in chains, man. It felt good. Why? Because there were certain impulses the enemy brings around them that feels good, but is what is death. Paul said that those things are even, we are, we are ashamed to even speak of those things that were once in those things before. But when we were in those things, it was enjoyable. Hallelujah. You know, there is a sort of a pleasure in when you, when you are very toxic and you can scatter everywhere. You feel powerful. <laughs> you feel powerful. Even though inside it is fear, but there is a sense of pleasure that there is an illusion of power that you think you have. See, I don't take nonsense. I don't, and it's good for people to know. And truly, everybody around you knows you that you don't take nonsense. So they, once you enter, they just arrange themselves. You feel powerful. That. And sometimes our soul longs for those kind of things. The humble and gentle lamp that they can even slap his or go, that one is not working for the soul. <laughs> Amen. That one that you will shout out and then you say, please, let's calm down. And then we respond out of love. The soul doesn't like that one. The soul prefers the fire for fire kind of combat. You bring it on, I take, I give to you back strength. That's the one that the soul loves. Hallelujah. But in your spirit, you have the perfect image and the character of God. Hallelujah. So, but the more the light of God shines into our hearts and that light penetrates and that image of God is being formed and being established, we will see a change of thinking. We will see a change of behavior. And then we'll begin to do what? We'll begin to respond accurately to God. Am I making sense? And that's why I said that to the degree that we receive that love, it's the degree that we what? We'll give commitment back to God. Something is wrong with the receiving aspect of that love. Something will definitely be wrong with the giving aspect of it. For example, the, uh, the understanding of God's unconditional love is not established in the heart. Our sense of fellowship with Him will be complicated and problematic. Why? Because we are always unsure of how the Lord feels about us. Always unsure. And that sense of boldness that the Lord asks us to come into His presence with is missing. Condemnation then sets in. We can't have fellowship, proper fellowship, because we are not even sure. We have believed the lie of the enemy that God is tired of us and God is ashamed or God is disappointed. You know all those things that the enemy says. Hallelujah. You know, and that is one of the battles that we have to fight as Christians. Because it's not something that you just hear once and then it just sets. It is an ongoing battle to what to erase the wrong mindsets the wrong seeds of the enemy about the image of god in our hearts that god is not a task collector god is not brutal god is not god is not this anger you know this angry person who constantly is looking for how to kill you or who has abandoned you or who has given up on you or is at the very tail end of giving up on you that one next mistake like this and he said it's done these are the lies that the enemy have sold to us 
you know and those lies are form what strongholds in our minds we even act them out unconsciously hallelujah you know and god brought a lot of deliverance and light last week when we're talking about the spirit of adoption that the moment you are even feeling remorse and the need to repent is not a moment of epiphany in that sense no it is the shepherd who is finding you that thought is coming to you because the shepherd his word is shining his light and say where are you my dear daughter where are you my son so the feeling of worthlessness you are feeling that he has rejected you is the lie of the enemy so that you will not respond to the such light of god who wants to bring you back home hallelujah hallelujah you know and do you know that even this aspect even some of our earthly fathers in spite of the fact that they are not perfect even still have it no matter how bad the son is they will say come on first we know you've messed up but first of all do what they cannot have a very difficult conversation with you when you get home but in their heart they are happy that you are back home first of all hallelujah they got that part from god they are pretending that they are hungry with you and they are really hungry with you they are not even smiling but in their heart they are happy that all your misbehavior on the street has at least ended you are now under their roof even though they don't know what they are going to do next, at least, especially mothers, mother will say, ah, if my mother will say, Olomoburuko will be done. That is. <laughs> you know, you can't have a bash like that and say, oh yeah, this bash, I'm tired of you. Go and throw him into the river and let the river take me. No. He still has a place in the house. He still has a place on your table. He still has access into your room as badly behaved as those that child is. There is access. Am I making sense? God is like that. He's not excusing your bad behavior, but he's not shutting the door on you. Hallelujah. Because he knows that where change will happen, he's with him. The thing that is worrying you, what will take it away, is what? Change is not happening when you are far from me. It can never happen. That's why the enemy lying to you that don't move near to God, don't draw near to God. He's lying to you because he wants you to remain in your issues and your weaknesses. God knows where the change is going to happen. He's in the release of his love into your heart. And he's not tired of doing that because he knows that if he's able to do that and you're able to receive it, what's going to happen? Change will happen. Hallelujah. That was why the love with which the father was coming towards the prodigal son is not the same as the logic in the mind of the son towards the father. It's not. You know, while I was preparing for this message, there was one word God dropped into my heart. It's so powerful. He said, faith is not logic. Faith is not what? Faith is not logic. Faith is believing his word in all circumstances. If he says he loves you, he loves you. Logic is what he's saying that you are, but you have offended him 55,000 times in the last two years. That's logic. And then you are using your mind to rationalize whether his love will still pass the test of all your problems. But that faith does not give consideration to logic. Logic is not one of the parameters in the equation of faith. 
was why Abraham did not consider his own body dead, nor the deadness of Sarah's body, his wife. That is not a parameter in the equation of faith. How you feel what you've gone through is not a parameter in the equation of God's love. He loves you. Full stop. It ends there. He loves you. That's it. No matter who you are, no matter your journey, no matter how long or how short it's been, He loves you. That's it. Nothing else matters. No other parameter is in that equation. He loves you and that's it. And He cannot change His mind about it. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. And He is positioned both internally and externally to ensure that love continually radiates towards you. So it's not like us that we say we love with our mouth, but our actions is very far from our love. No, he has backed his own love with his actions. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Let's quickly see. Let's do scriptures. Jeremiah 29 and Psalms 139. I said God's love is strong and is set. God's love is strong and set both internally and externally. It is. What is in, that's what I said at the beginning, what you see on the statement board is what is in the heart of God. Unlike our corporate organizations that the bottom line in the heart is money, sales, profit, but they can put anything on the board to, you know, yes, to have, yes, to say, they, let's have an air of corporate governance. But in their heart, they will drive you like a slave because they want to make money. That's not God. What is in the heart of God is what he has openly declared and is that he loves you. That's it. There is no ambiguity. There is no but. There is no exception. You know, there is no condition to it. The condition is with you, whether you were ready to accept it or not. But as far as he's concerned, his mind has been made up before you were even born. And when he was making up his mind, he has seen your frame. From the beginning of it to the end of it, he has seen your frame. And he's made up his mind. Even what you don't know about yourself, he knows it. What you will do tomorrow, he knows it. Hallelujah. But he's loved you in spite of that. Regardless, whether what you are doing is good or bad, he has chosen to love you. Jeremiah 29, let's see that. For I know the thoughts I think towards you, says the Lord. Thoughts of what? Peace. And not of what? Evil. To give you a future and a what? And a hope. God's thought concerning you is of good. God at no time, at no time ever, in all of eternity till eternity no time has he ever entertained a thought of evil concerning you and he cannot am i making sense he has not he will not and cannot he said the thought he has concerning you i mean god will help us to understand the level of the thought of god 
because the level of the thought you know you are looking at this thought and you are saying that is it the way i think about how i drove messed this bends yesterday and i don't have it and the thought is gone then that's the way we think the thought of god are you know some people now in your thought now you are the president of america your thought is wishful thinking that's what our thought is wishful thinking that's not what god's thought is god's thought is his reality am i making sense god's thought is what is his reality god's thought is his posture concerning you god's thought is his posture god's thought is the place the reality he has placed himself as far as you are concerned what is in god's thought is all you will ever get am i making sense this morning am i making god's thought is not um you know even though i'm here in nigeria <laughs> you know i used to tell i don't know what i was sure i used to tell that in my mind the civilization that's in my mind the things i've done in my thoughts i think i've become president of almost all the countries of the world sir. i've become president of nigeria at one time in my thoughts president of america at one time in my thoughts you know you know we our minds usually is what we use to create the things that we can't see in our real world that's why it's called wishful thinking is that if wishes were horses even beggars would do what so because in the realm of your thoughts you can create anything tomorrow morning you can be a five-year-old who's just going to school afresh you know we think about those things that we smile and then they are gone but that's not that's not what this is saying what this is saying is intent the intent of god for i know the intent that i have towards you i know the hope that i have towards you i know the posture the reality what i see about you i know it it is what the intent of peace and not of evil to do what to give you a future and a hope let's see jeremiah 31 3 jeremiah 31 3 very quickly the lord has appeared of hope to me saying i have loved you with the what an everlasting love therefore with loving kindness have i what have i drawn you this is the posture of god to us and it's a posture that doesn't change it's a posture that does not change say i have loved you with what a seasonal love a conditional love a what an everlasting love hallelujah psalms 139 very quickly let's quickly run through this you know david had a revelation of this and his heart began to speak psalms 139 his heart began to speak and this was what was coming out from his heart as you know an outflow of the revelation you know that he walked into you know david was a man that really had favor with god in terms of understanding the heart of god beyond even is is beyond his uh beyond his time and beyond the age and other you know david had some very strange dimensions of reality that are applicable to the new testament am i making sense am i making sense god he had favor before god in understanding the heart of god and he was seeing into things that are beyond his time and even beyond the things that the covenant the old covenant could make provision for psalms 139 
Oh Lord, you have searched me and known me. Next verse. You know my sitting down and my rising up. You understand my thoughts afar off. Next verse. You comprehend my path my, and my lying down and are acquainted with all my ways. Next verse. There is not a word on my tongue, but behold, O oh Lord, you know it all together. You have edged me behind and before and laid your hands upon me. Such knowledge is too wonderful for me. It is high. I cannot what? Let, let, let me pause here a little and give us a context. You know, our relationship as humans is built so much around the less people know, the safer it is for us. Why? Two things. Because number one, we don't want to trust people and be vulnerable. Two, we don't want to lose their goodwill. That once they move close and see our bad behavior, they get disappointed. And we don't want to lose that. So, from day one of our lives, we are always concealing. There is always this packaging that we are always packaging ourselves and our behaviors and everything. Such that it is the best of us that comes out. Am I making sense? And when we see people around us, depending on the kind of relationships that we want to have with people, we package ourselves and turn that side, that good side of us, we turn it to people. And once they want to get too close for comfort, beyond what we can regulate, we become vulnerable and then we begin to push back. Amen. But this is not what is happening with David. He said he came to a realization of the reality of God all around him in spite of his vulnerability and he felt such love and peace in the midst of that he looked as I say did this knowledge how you are reacting to me in spite of all that you have seen is too wonderful for me too. I can't I can't understand it that's what was going on in this guy's mind see next verse where can I go from your spirit or where can I flee from your presence? If I ascend into heaven, you are there. If I make my bed in hell, behold, you are there. If I take the wings of the morning, if I take the wings of the morning, verse 9, and dwell in the uttermost part of the sea, even there your hand shall do what? Lead me and your right hand shall. He's not talking about somebody who wants to get away from God's presence. He's talking about somebody who realized that no matter where he goes, God will follow him there. It's a love that he was he was trying to calibrate. Say, even if I go to hell, I'll meet you there. Hell is a place of there is no God. Do you understand what that means? Hell is a place where there is no retention, no, no. No semblance of the image of God. It's chaos, it's darkness, it's everything anti-God. But God's love is there. His love, God's love will follow him and go and pull him from there. So even if I take the wings of the morning and I run to the ends of the earth, he said, as he's running, what is going on? His love is the one that is actually leading him. That is a love that does not give up. That's the love that does not give up. If I take the wings of the morning and dwell in the uttermost part of the sea, next verse, even there your hand shall lead me and your right hand shall do what? Shall hold me, next verse. If I say surely darkness shall fall on me, even the night shall be light about me. Indeed, the darkness shall not hide from you, but the night shines as the day. The darkness and the light are both alike to you. 
for you formed my inward parts you covered me in my mother's womb i will praise you for i am what fearfully and wonder the only reason he came to this conclusion is because of the ruminations he's been having since verse one that ah there is a work that this love is doing there is an identity that i have that is the basis of this love is because you have made me to be what to you've made me wonderfully and what and fearfully so the whole all that love comes to point back to the intrinsic value that he found about himself and that was the basis of his transformation he realized that i'm not worthless man if he could go to this length there is something precious about me that god can't give up on there is something special about my life that god cannot give up on if he can't give up on me why should i give up on myself why should i allow the enemy to lie to me why should i think my life is boring devoid of love just why should i think all that is around me is vanity it doesn't make sense if he went to this length then all this around me is not all about me hallelujah what is going on around what i see what i touch what i consider reality in the natural sense is not all about me i shut my eyes against all this worthless reality and i look inward for the true image of god that i am for the true image of god that he died for i am fearfully and wonderfully made marvelous are your works what are those works you and i because all he's been talking about are two things god and himself so which work is marvelous you and that my soul knows very well this is a heart that has come into alignment with the image of god in him this is a heart that has come to understand that he is royalty in the divine kind of sense so your work is marvelous that my soul knows very well i know i'm different i know i'm special i know i am fearfully and wonderfully made i am divine i am eternal the time the seasons of the world the civilization of the world cannot define me i am not just somebody who is living in 2021 buried within the realities of 2021 i am eternal i transcend this current present frame of time and whatever it is in this season that i'm going through that is not my definition that's not who i am there was a time some of you here thought passing wahek was the ultimate achievement in the whole world how are you seeing that now have you met people who commit suicide because they failed wahek how come is what was missing they did not understand that their worth was beyond what they were going through in that moment if only they could see if only they could see and there are things you are going through right now that is making you thinking all these things is just you you you, you are so overwhelmed 
by the things around you that you have lowered yourself and you, you are seeing yourself as worthless. No! That's not who you are. That is not who you are. Marvelous are his works. You are his works. Scripture says we are his workmanship in Christ Jesus. Give me Ephesians 2.10 very quickly. For we are his workmanship. We had Stop breaking God's heart by looking down on yourself. Stop breaking God's heart by thinking you are worthless. For we are his workmanship. Do you know what a workmanship is? It is something specially devised and created personally. Personally. Hallelujah. You know, our capitalist mind sometimes has so bastardized our spiritual understanding. We are not a product on the shelf created by a system. Hallelujah. You know the guy who sets up company? He's not even in the factory. He's on the yard somewhere sipping martini. And then the workers on the floor of the factory, to them, every product with the label is the same. That's somehow the way we interpret the fatherhood and the godship of God. Very, very wrong. That's why I started with the beginning to say that God's mind is not corporate governance. Do, do you understand what I'm saying? It's not about all that lies. God is particularly, specifically, personally interested and overseeing your case. You are not one in a crowd. You are just one in the room with his attention. And he has never taken his eyes off you. Never. He has never taken his eyes off you. There is nothing you can do to scare him away or to make him give up. His attention is on you. Because what? You are what? You are his workmanship. And he's using all that situation around you. Even though the enemy is trying so hard to tear you apart. The enemy is orchestrating things around you. The systems of this world, the things of this world, the real divinity, and all the ups and downs, the good, the bad, the weeping, the money, everything. The enemy is using all that to scatter your frame, to tear you apart, to make you broken, useless, rebellious, worthless to God, unfruitful, unuseful to God. Yet, God is in the midst of that darkness and chaos, trying to work all things out together for your good. Because he knows his love has never left you for one moment. It's never. Even when you are in rebellion, God is looking at has the master strategies that he is. He's looking at how to make that rebellion work out for your good. That was why he had the solution for the prodigal son. He had the solution even for the son that he was that was inside. He has a solution for the tax collector. A solution that the Pharisees didn't have. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. He had a solution for everyone, including, including Peter that betrayed him. He had a solution for him. He had a solution for Judas. Judas was the one that accepted his own solution for himself. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. He has a solution for everyone because he loves everyone. You know, when the Greeks came to Jesus, I think it was Philip that says the Greeks master the Greeks came to see you scripture says Jesus lifted up his eyes and see except a corn of wheat 
falls to the ground and dies. He does what? It abides. That was the fatherhood. That was the father nature in Christ yearning to open the doors and expand the families. That a nation who up to that time has been regarded as the enemy of God. You know, Jews and Gentiles, they don't have the, the mindset of the Jew. When the Jew see you as a Gentile, is a worthless creation who doesn't know God. That's the mindset they have. But that wasn't the mindset of God. That wasn't the mindset of God. Hallelujah. I don't know whether I'm making sense this morning. You're fearfully and wonderfully made. Scripture says He has created us in Christ Jesus for good works, which God did what? Prepared beforehand that we should what? Walk in them. What He's prepared for you has been prepared before you come into the season that you are right now. God's love predates what you are, what the current issue is or what the current reality is. No. He loves us. He loves us. Let's go back to that. What verse were we in that? If, if Psalms uh, 139. I just want to see whether we finished it. Have we done verse 18? So let's go on to the four, uh, next four verses. Psalms 139. I will praise you from fearfully and wonderfully made marvelous are your works that my soul knows what very well say my frame was not hidden from you when I was made in secret and skillfully what wrought in the what the lower parts of the earth next verse your eyes saw my substance yet being unformed and in your book they were all what written the days fashioned for me ha the day is what? Fashioned for me. He's written everything about how your life should be in his book. Even when you were yet unformed. He has it all figured out. And now he's trying to convince you to agree to his plan. Because that's where the problem now is. Do you want to figure it out as you're going, just walking as the Gentiles in the vanity of your mind? Or do you want to align with the manual that he created when he was forming you? When he was putting together your peculiar features and experiences and your nature? What makes you unique and different from all the other over 7 billion people in the world? There is something about you that is special. He knew it. He formed you he put your substance together. The days fashioned for me, when as yet there was none of them. Next verse. Oh, how precious also are your thoughts to me. How precious are your intent to me. Oh God, how great is the what? Is the sum of them. If I should count them, they would be more in number down the sun when i awake when light comes i am what i'm still with you this is a realization that we all must have this is the posture of god to us this is what is in his heart what is in his heart is what you give hallelujah this is what is in his heart say how precious are your thoughts God's thought towards you are precious. Why? Because he loves you. Because he loves you. Because he loves you. 
and all his thoughts towards you are precious nothing more nothing more all his thoughts towards you are precious that is the posture that he's taken even before you came on the scene hallelujah give me Ephesians chapter 2 Ephesians chapter 2 very brief very quickly I said that what is in God's heart his word is bringing out right God is not has not said one thing and he's doing the other like human being you know I love you 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 and they were doing something completely different that's man but that's not God that's not God in fact God some man will say I love you ah but this one that you bring this one passed my love <laughs> so this one is more than I can bear sorry that's why Christians will say go to the altar and say for for richer for poorer for better for worse in sickness and in health in blah 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 and then when the reality came they don't even remember that they made any was ah no 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 i only signed for better you you have turned worse please let's 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 god is the only true one who truly signed for better for worse and is committed to it will never leave or abandon you until he's able to turn your life around if you allow him and you he made alive who were what dead in trespasses and sins next verse in which you once walked according to the course of this world according to the prince of the power of the air the spirit who now walks in the what sons of disobedience next verse among whom also we all once conducted ourselves in the lust of our flesh fulfilling the what the desires of the flesh and of the mind and were by what nature the children of what can you see the reason why John first John was saying was talking about how magnificent the love of God is because what God did was to turn us from children of wrath into what into children of God turned us complete opposite of what we used to be just as the others verse 4 but God somebody say but God who is what rich in mercy because of his what great love with which he did what he loved us next verse even when we were dead in trespasses made us alive with christ by grace you have been is this action portraying what we read about the thoughts of god in psalm 139 yes his action is showing exactly what his thoughts are only a god who considers us fearfully and wonderfully made we go to this length to buy us back hallelujah i think it was pastor i said that during the transaction over our soul jesus said satan name your price and satan said i want this and god said done paid in full Allah will know god did not price it god doesn't say ah he said satan say uh, 1,500. Say said, no. Go buy God did not price you. God knew your worth. And God was ready to pay anything to purchase us. Hallelujah. That's what God did. That's what God did. Give it all. Give it all. Everything. Did not hold anything back. Hallelujah. Thank you. Romans chapter 5, very quickly. Romans chapter 5. I just want to lay that foundation so that 
anytime the enemy comes to try to lie to you, shut it down. Shut him up. Romans 5, 6. Shut him up. He has nothing to say. For when we were still without strength in due time, Christ did what? Died for the ungodly. Next verse. For scarcely for a righteous man one will one die. Yet perhaps for a good man, someone would even dare to die. But God demonstrates his own love towards us in that while we were yet sinners, Christ did what? Died for us. Next verse. For much more than having now been justified by his blood, we shall be what? Saved from wrath through him. Verse 10. For if when we were enemies, we were reconciled to God through the death of his son, much more having been reconciled, we shall be what? What are you worried about? What are you worried about? There is only one way this thing is going to end. It's in your favor. Because it has been arranged. It has been arranged. There is only one outcome for you. It's not, there is no probability there. One outcome set in not set in stone, sealed by the blood because even stone will pass away. Sealed by the blood of the lamp of God. It is that you are saved by his life on the account of his love. On the account of his love. So what do we have to do? Receive the love of God. Receive the love of God. Believe it and do what? And receive it. And like I said, believing is not logical some of you are trying to logically believe it's the reason why you find it easier when you're, you've done the right thing and you find it more difficult when you've done the wrong thing why? because to you it's still logic it's all about logic it's all about how it makes sense it doesn't make sense it has never made sense <laughs> hallelujah it never made sense that sense that it made is far above you. <laughs> Hallelujah. Papa said, I say, said, as the heavens are, he said, the thoughts that afterwards you are so what? How did the scripture put it? He said, My thoughts are not your thoughts, my ways are not your ways. As the heavens are high above the earth, so are my thoughts what? You can't rush, you can't logically think it through. Just accept it. And the more you accept it, the more it becomes real to you. The more you accept it, the less you struggle. The more you accept it, the more you find that you have strength to resist Satan and all his lies. And all his lies. Just receive the love of God this morning. I just received the love of God this morning. Oh, Masila Prakatsala Bisia, Tonde Paranoshin, Fagala Bakiria City Baro. Oh, 